This episode is brought to you by the generosity of our listeners. We as leaders in the workplace need to step up to the plate and let's start being intentional about raising up this next generation of leaders. Coach, author, millennial expert, Danita Bach on this episode. Put your faith to work. This is the Bold Idea Podcast with ideas, interviews, and inspiration to bring your bold ideas to life. Here are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bold Idea Podcast. This is your co-host, Larry Gates. Along with Armin Asadi. We're so glad you're joining us on another episode to put your faith to work and bring your bold ideas to life. We have with us on today's show, Danita Bai. She's a sales development and leadership expert and has worked with a number of corporations as a sales coach and a business leader. And she is a contributing author to Forbes Coaches Council, also served as Harvard's MBA sales coach, as well as the board of trustees for several private Christian universities. She is the author of the book, Millennials Matter, Proven Strategies for Building next-gen leaders, and is quickly gaining recognition as one of the best books written about developing millennial leaders. We're so happy to welcome to the program, Danita Bai. Danita, welcome to the Bold Idea Podcast. Glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, so glad to have you on. You know, Danita, I've known you for some time now, and I've always known you as a sales coach, but not long ago, you, you decided to focus on millennials. Why is that? I had a catalytic conversation with my 23-year-old son. He had attended a Willow Creek leadership conference and uh, it was, uh, you know, it was Saturday afternoon right when he was walking out and I called to debrief him and was expecting him to tell me all sorts of exciting things he'd learned about top leaders in the world. And for the most part, the conference was not too exciting to him, other than his voice picked up and his whole countenance changed when he said, Mom, I have a message for you. And it was one of those messages that when I I heard it coming from my 23-year-old son, I kind of perked up. Because I recognize, he doesn't, he's not like this very often. And he said, mom, I have a message for you. You must prioritize passing your leadership wisdom and insight onto the next generation. Mm. And the Holy Spirit just took those words and just began to sink them down into the very core of my being and didn't let me rest. You know how it is when the, you know, the Holy Spirit's working, uh, you know, he he doesn't give up. Oh, yeah. Get those constant and, reminders. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so, you know, as I be, what I realized is this message from my son was not just to me, but it really was a message from this generation to all of us that we need to step up to the plate. And so I'm looking to take my 
uh, sales expertise, my leadership expertise, and really focus on the leadership and sales development of this incredible generation of millennials that we have in our workforce. Yeah. Now, so I wanted to, I want to pull on that thread for a little bit because this course is the Bold Idea Podcast and you've just started out right away with how this bold idea came to be from the word from your 23-year-old son. So mm-hmm. like, all right, so you you had thought had that thought, you listened to him, but then you said it kept coming back up and resurfacing again. What were some of the things that you perhaps did to dismiss it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, I am... Uh, you know, I'm a major to-do list person. So I'm like going, okay, you know, I'm going to focus in and get my to-do list done for the day. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, the message just keeps, uh, it just kind of kept, it just keeps coming back. It's nagging you. It's nagging. So I guess, you know, it's probably this to-do list that is, um, you know, I think there's another thing, uh, the to-do list. And I think this, another one is it just was not part of my plans. <laughs> you Usually know, God's I ideas had, often you know, <laughs> sales development. I got my key clients that I'm going yeah. after. I got my key messages. Um, uh, so it was not part of my plans and, uh, you know, sometimes the Lord kind of confuses those plans. Yeah, sure. So this was a disruption to it what you a, were doing. That's a great one. It was a disruptor. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it, it, if I'm hearing you right, you were, you were carrying on in your business. You had all your stuff that you were doing. You're very active and successful in all the sales and leadership coaching that you were doing. Your son drops this idea on you. And uh, you're working through your day and you're finding that uh, the thing's still coming back, having not done anything. But then it sounds like you finally put something on your to-do list to do something about it. Is that right? One of the other things that was happening uh, at the same time is that my husband and I felt called to move from Minneapolis, where we'd been for 30 years, back out to my home territory in the northwest corner of uh, North Dakota. So I grew up on a cattle ranch. Mm. And because of the thing, some things that were happening with my family decided to move back here. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who've moved, you also know that that's a disruption. Yes. You know, everything just gets kind of tossed in the air. And what I started to do is to reflect on how the lessons that I had learned growing up on a cattle ranch in North Dakota and how those would begin to apply to um, mentoring and coaching and leading and managing my children and my children's friends. So I started a, a, a weekly blog posting called Dakota Leadership, uh, which was really more, it was a discipline to help me to start to articulate some of my ideas and what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. And so I had moved into that pattern and that discipline. And then um, about... 
uh, I guess it would be a year and a half ago, a chance meeting out in Washington, D.C. at a networking event. I ran into a a publisher uh, who's from Minneapolis, but we met out in Washington, D.C. again. He goes, Danita, what are you working on? And I says, well, I'm working on this book with millennials, um, you know, and I'm planning on a 2019 launch. And he goes, let's do it now. Hmm. And uh, let's have it ready to go by October 1. And this was in January. So I'm like going, okay. And so I, as I began to bring everything together, realized I wanted more of a, uh, the message really was a national, international message, not just a Dakota message. So uh, I kind of rebranded and went from a Dakota leadership to Millennials Matter. Yeah, so that's your book, Millennials Matter, Proven Strategies for Building Next-Gen Leaders. Talk about what our listeners might expect to learn in reading that book. So as part of research for the book, I um, we had a survey of over 300 leaders asking them, what are your thoughts? What are you seeing with the millennials in the work in your workplace? The news has been brutal to this generation. And so I wanted to find out what was, uh, we know what the fake news says. I wanted to know what the real news was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the, there were two messages that came through from the survey. One message is, we are excited about the um, the creativity and the innovation and the opportunity that's available um, with this generation. And uh, there are three areas that we're concerned about. Um, And in fact, 60% of uh, business leaders um, identified that they were concerned about some areas related to character, uh, which is all of us as leaders are always working on our character. There were some issues related to confidence, especially confidence when they were meeting obstacles. Uh, And then collaboration, Uh, mainly collaboration in high conflict or generation where there was some generational conflict. Yeah. So break those down. What, what is the concern around, and I'm assuming what you're, you're saying are that business leaders today have these three concerns about the millennial generation, about their character, about the level of confidence they have and about their ability to collaborate. Is that what I'm hearing? That's correct. Yeah. So let's talk about that first one real quick. What, what are their kind of concerns about the character qualities of millennials that they're seeing well when we there's a number of things that um that i kind of lump into that character some see a lack of grit and determination to really tackle difficult projects Um, others voice concerns about a willingness to maybe compromise ethics in order to damage the brain and as a result damage the brand. Um, others talked about not following through on commitments and negatively impacting relationships with coworkers and client, 
and clients. And then others talk about uh, kind of a lack of accountability, of blaming others for a lack of performance or lack to accomplish things. Gotcha. So those in, when we um, study leadership, we put that, all of those are symptoms of virtues, kind of ancient virtues or character. Um, And those are areas that, uh, as part of leadership development, we're always working on. I mean, our character is always being tested. Uh, And so for that to arise is not a surprise because that's part of the journey of a leader is to always be developing and strengthening our character. Yeah, I was wondering as you were listing those qualities, how many would have said that about uh, our generation when we were entering the workforce as well? Would they have characterized those same qualities or similar qualities to, is that just a generational gap uh, perception, I guess is what I'm wondering, or do you think it's unique to the signature of the millennial generation? Maybe we should have our resident millennials speak out on this too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll I'll give my viewpoint and then we'll have the resident millennial respond. Uh, I actually think it's a, a mixture of a whole host of things. One, uh, the generation before us, that's what they thought about us too. I mean, let's be real. So uh, we have the generational aspect. Um, and I think another part that plays, um, here's how I summarize it. In many ways, we live in a fatherless and a motherless generation. Mm. We have, uh, we've, you know, many of us have come from broken homes, um, or we've had, uh, you know, parents that have been uh, workaholics, they've been too involved. Uh, so there's going to be, uh, I believe that there's a number of factors that come to play. Um, and whatever those factors are, we as leaders in the workplace, Uh, need to step up to the plate and realize this is what we're dealing with. Now let's take it and let's stop complaining and let's start coaching and mentoring and uh, raising up, being intentional about raising up this next generation of leaders. So I think it's uh, multiple influences and we can refer to our resident millennial. (laughs) (laughs) Q Armin. I'm good with her answer. I like it. (laughs) And no one wants to hear my opinion anyway. (laughs) Oh no, on the contrary. (laughs) So what do you think, Armin, when you hear these things uh, about the character quality concerns that leaders are saying that, uh, that millennials lack the grit to handle difficult problems, that they're willing to compromise their ethics, that they're not fulfilling their commitments, and that they, they don't really have much for accountability. Those sound pretty indicting. Again, I think it's probably true of all generations, but I'm just wondering when millennials hear that, what do they think? Um, it, it, it's tough, right? Because if you... If you look at that from the perspective of someone who is new to the workforce or hasn't ever had big projects, yeah, they probably don't, right? But uh, all, all, all millennials aren't 
18 years old or 20 years old or right. 22 years old, right? Like that, that, that was true for me in a lot of sense, but it was probably true for a lot of people when they were that age. Right. So it's like a development period. So I think it's a, it's a broad stroke over a very large audience. Right? Sure. I mean, we are, we're, we're officially, uh, a larger population than the baby boomer population where the largest population and the largest generation in the entire world. And with a, such a large age gap, you know, um, I, I, I think that's a 50, 50 statement. It's true depending on kind of where you're at. In where you're at in sure. Life. And there are a lot of millennial leaders right now that might be having the same thing to be said about their younger millennial. Absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> people in the workforce well and that's you know there's a couple of it it is just not straightforward and that's actually what irritates me to no end about the fake news is that they make the blanket statements because one of the other differences is there is a huge difference in uh the i'll call them the older generation you know the the older millennials and the younger millennials technology, our world is operating so rapidly that a historical 20 years that we've used to define a generation, it actually, it, uh, that needs to be minimally cut in half mm. So because there are so very clear differences. Yeah. One of the other things that I mentioned uh, early on in the book was a very insightful conversation for me. Um, I was visiting with a campus pastor at a Christian university, and he had been there for 20 to 25 years. And so my question was, uh, Dennis, over the time frame that you've been here, what have been the key trends that you've seen in your student population? And this was fascinating. He said, 20, 25 years ago, you could take any topic and the, it, was a, it was a bell-shaped curve distribution. He said, the students that I'm seeing today, uh, he said, it's like a two-humped camel. Uh, you have the first hump and you see these students come through and you just go, wow, these are impressive. These are impressive students. They've, you know, they, they know a lot. They can access the technology. They're global. They have the character, the work ethic, uh, the creativity. Uh, they're confident in moving forward. They can, collect, I mean, everything that you would want. Then he see, he says that you see the second hump, and then you go, "Oh my God, help us!" Hmm. And that was an interesting. It was an interesting observation for me as I've thought about it. I'm wondering how much of that second hump uh, goes back to some cultural changes, some shifts that have happened within the family, um, within our just kind of, you know, moral culture that we have. I, you know, it's, it's very complex. 
But I thought that was an interesting observation for us to consider. Yeah, I'd like to dive into the second area that you identified, Danita, which was confidence. Now, how how did the leaders see confidence or lack of confidence being the the overarching challenge? Unpack that a little bit. Yeah, so uh, what I heard is, yes, they, they appear to be confident uh, up front. Uh, they can uh, challenge. You know, they're, they're uh, not afraid to challenge a viewpoint uh, to bring another perspective. What they saw is that it seemed like they got like jello when they were either dealing with a surprise or something they couldn't readily find on an answer to on YouTube or Google. And it was interesting. There's a uh, Harvard Business Review article that's based on some research coming out of Yale that says uh, the internet makes you think you are smarter than you are. You know, it's one of the observations I've seen a lot with millennials is that um, the, they often will turn to the to the internet, to these tools to, you know, tackle a problem and get the group think rather than um, stop and think necessarily about what they uh, believe about something or, or try to uh, work it out on their own first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I find mm-hmm. myself increasingly turning to those tools as well. I mean, sometimes oh, it's, you know, it's very expedient. Oh, why, why waste time <laughs> thinking about it when I can just uh, tap into the zeitgeist? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was actually how the Yale study was done. My uh, nephew was the uh, lead researcher on it. So they gave both groups a problem to solve. One group had to resolve the issue, find the answer using a traditional library. And the other group was uh, given the internet. The group that used the internet, you know, came back and they did it faster and concluded uh, that they were smarter. Um, what they found, though, is that the, the group that had the old traditional library, as they were searching and trying to figure out the answer, they actually had a broader knowledge base of what was contributing to resolving the problem. So, so that was just very, I thought it was very interesting. And, and it's the phenomenon that business leaders are seeing. Yeah, so when you think about that aspect of confidence, do you find then that millennials are more likely to maybe start a business and then give up on it because they think they have the answers and they find that the going gets tough? And are they more likely to be quitting enterprises that to get hard? Or how does that, how does that display itself? What are you seeing? I don't have an answer to that. Um, the area that I do see is um, in light of this phenomenon, what do we as mentors, coaches, leaders, managers do? What are some things that we can do? Um, and there's a, a, a couple of things that can help. One is to help our millennial, our emerging leader, to um, identify the gifts and talents that they can leverage whenever they're up against a huge, massive obstacle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what are some some what are some resources they have within their themselves so we can spot the gift? 
Another thing that we can do is uh, stretch out a hand when they're feeling despondent and to, in a sense, reward, talk about failing forward and what are some of the, how, how do we take failure and using it as a stepping stone to move forward? Um, and we've all in our own lives, we have taken that, uh, we have taken loads of failure. We've all had failure <laughs> and we've all learned lessons from it. One of the things that I did with Millennials Matter, because I had colleagues who were pushing back and said, Danita, what in the world does a baby boomer know about millennials? And I thought, I don't know. Good point. So, uh, so I took the final manuscript and I gave it out to 12 millennials and asked them to review it, to critique it, to rip it apart, to do whatever came to their mind as they were reading. One of the comments that, and I've actually included those comments in the book. One of the comments that popped out to me was uh, one of the millennial readers said, I want to hear your real story. I don't want the shiny, glossy story about the success highlights. I want to know about when you failed and what you learned. Mm-hmm. So that's a, another way that we can help uh, build the confidence in our emerging leaders. This is the Bold Idea Podcast. I mean, of course, we love our corporate sponsors, but I really love it when we have an episode that's sponsored by our listeners. Absolutely. Wholeheartedly agree with you. It's the best compliments we ever get is knowing that people are out there that want to invest in this to keep this going. And I think everybody knows, I hope by now, that we are doing this as really as a passion project. Neither of us take any money from it. In fact, it costs us more than we are getting even in sponsorships to put this program out on the air. So every little bit helps. That's right. So if you want to help invest in this and keep this thing going, we'd love to see your support. Just go to boldideapodcast.com forward slash donate. And remember, every donation you make is a tax deductible contribution and comes from the bottom of our heart. A sincere thank you. In your research, what have you found to be the things that turn millennials off uh, and then vice versa? What is, what is the thing that you've seen that inspires or draws millennials in? Great question. The part that turns them, uh, uh, I'm going to come up with two big themes that I saw. Uh, one, one that turns them off is the shiny successful commercial that baby boomers were taught to put forward. What do you mean by that? Well, you just, you know, when you go to church, put your smile on. Okay. Okay. Um, When you're talking about your life, uh, talk about your successes. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a turnoff. So millennials don't see the older generations as being authentic and vulnerable. Authentic. Yes. They want authenticity. 
And so that the shiny, look at me, I'm so successful, um, is a turnoff for them. Mm -hmm. And they want the authenticity. Mm -hmm. Turnoff for me too, by the way. Yeah, well, it is. (laughs) I guess I'm a millennial at heart. (laughs) You are. You know, it is as we, you know, as, as we mature as human beings, you know, we want real. And so I think that was that was one of the big ahas for me. The the other one is the way the millennial reviewer voiced it is don't automatically assume that you have our respect. Mm. And that was a, another one that popped out to me because I think as baby boomer leaders that we think that we have earned respect and therefore we can dish out advice and we can dish out opinions and others should automatically take them. So the other irritant is the constant telling and what they want is someone who is a listener. And so we can begin to learn from each other. Yeah. So to the flip side of our means question, then what inspires them? What do they see in the older generations that uh, fuels them from your research? Well, I think the, the authenticity inspires them and fuels them when they see leaders who are authentic and when they have leaders who are listeners and are willing to learn and are willing to feed into them. There's a couple of statistics that I find interesting. 91%, according to Gallup studies, see themselves and aspire to leadership. Second statistic, 70% want to mentor and a coach, not a boss. So as you think about, you know, what inspires them, it's going to be someone who's going to spend time with them, recognize their unique gifts and talents, who's going to be seeing them as a leader and helping them on their leadership development journey, and who's going to come alongside as a coach and mentor and say, let's, let's work on this together. What are the practices or suggestions that you have for leaders in business or churches today? Now, just briefly, Danita, what could they do practically to engage the millennials in their, in their workforce? So uh, number one is hang out with them. Uh, for those of us who have long to-do lists <laughs> that we manage, it can seem non-productive uh, to hang out and to build the relationship. But the relationship is going to be key both from the leader building the leadership capacity in the other person and building trust and respect. So hang out. And that's what Jesus did, didn't he? Sure did. He did he did a lot of hanging out. 
Next is as part of the hanging out, be intentional about the character development issues. Um, One of my favorite all-time leadership books is written by Dr. Robert Clinton, who is a professor at Fuller Seminary who studied leader leaders, and his book is called The Making of a Leader. He talks about that as God is making a leader, especially in this stage of um, where the millennials are cur- currently, that there is God is focusing on character development and gift development. As we're building the relationship, as we're coaching, as our mentoring, come alongside both the character development and the gift development. So that's number two. Uh-huh. Um, and then number three is just to recognize where are the areas that are, are crunch areas where maybe our, our emerging leader gets either stressed out or crunched out or uh, just, it you know, it's not <laughs> happening. And just, you know, come along and, and kind of give them some additional tools and resources to help. Yeah, okay, great. Those are good. So hanging out, building relationships of trust, uh, working on intentional character development, and then recognizing when they get under stress uh, to find ways to uh, give them a hand. Great Absolutely. advice for great advice for leaders working with millennials. Well, I know there's a lot left in your book and a lot that we could talk about some more, but our time's come to an end. I have one final question for you, Danita, and it's kind of personal and back to the authenticity thing. Mm. <laughs> so this is where I kind of put you on the spot. <laughs> What's your next bold idea? Since this is the Bold Idea Podcast, we like to ask our guests what they're going to do, what their plans are next. Great question. Um, I am in a season of discernment with Millennials Matter and identifying what's next. And I have a, a word from the Lord, I believe. It's a, a word of encouragement to me. I um, love those. Those are better than words of rebuke. <laughs> yes. And I'm going to tell you what the old message is and how it's, I was just challenged in the last week. So the message is, I am a woman made in Abba's image who's being strategically sent to particular times, places, and people to accomplish his purposes and plans. I review that with myself every morning. Here is what came out of my mouth last week. I am a woman made in Abba's image who's being strategically sent to particular times, places, people, and nations mm. it's to bigger. accomplish his purposes and plans. And it came out of my mouth and I go, what in the world? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you retreated to North Dakota just to go to um, to other nations, right? <laughs> you know, so I, I, I immediately go, okay, where have, you know, where have I done work? Well, I've done work in China and Tanzania and you know, Australia and uh, New Zealand and Amsterdam. I have no idea. So I am in the midst of discerning. <laughs> well, that's great. And we're going to join you in that in prayer for you as you uh, trust the Lord with your next bold idea. Danita, thank you so much for being on our show. How can our listeners learn more about you? 
They can go to DanitaBuy.com, and it's DanitaBuy.com, um, and I uh, have a page on my sales uh, consulting, my leadership coaching processes, as well as Millennials Matter. That's great. And have a whole bunch of free resources. Oh, terrific. We'll have a link to your website on our show notes as well for our listeners to get to. But Danina, thanks again for being on the Bold Idea Podcast. And thanks for caring about my generation. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm a huge, massive fan. All right, Armin, that was uh, Danita. Bye. Oh, I love that she cares about my generation. Yeah. Just, I think it's important. I think it's uh, it's necessary. I'll even say that. Well, in some ways, she's standing in the gap, and that is she's helping to translate the messages, I think, that are important to, for that millennials need to a generation that's probably perplexed by millennials. You know, you and I, before we started the show, we were asking ourselves, how much of this is is unique to the millennial set? I mean, it seems like there's been a disproportionate amount of attention paid to millennials. I mean, I don't remember hearing about this amount of attention paid to Gen X's sure. or Gen Y, sure, yeah. right? Yeah. And, you know, Gen Z still that still has yet to come. But, boy, there seems to be just this focus on millennials. And it could be just because they're moving into the whole political spectrum and business and church leadership. And, you know, churches are organizing around, you know, millennial kind of formats. Yeah. And businesses are trying to figure out, as Danita is helping them, you know, coach up and yeah. train up millennial employees. And also, you know, the older generation is scratching their heads trying to figure out what do we do with these people? Right. And at the same time, you know, you and I have talked about there almost seems to be this perception, I think, among the youth that success is different than it was, you know, the, their definition of success or their expectations on themselves to be successful, I think, is different than when I was growing up. The messages I had growing up about success and what it took to be successful was you work hard, you study hard, you work hard, you get a good job and you'll be successful. I mean, it was almost a formulaic. Yeah, right? absolutely. And the perception today is almost seen like, um, you know, success is within everybody's reach. You just need an internet business and, uh, you know, you can become the next Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> and I, you know, I just wonder if, there's a stat that I would love. You talked about stats, and uh, during our off-call briefing, you mentioned the importance of stats. I, here's a stat I don't know that exists out there, but I'd love to know it. How many people in the in the baby boomer generation where I was coming from, or Gen X, Gen Y, had their goal to be a millionaire by the time they were 30 compared to those who are the millennial group now? Yeah. So there was actually a global survey done on millennials and one of the most interesting things that came out of that survey was this. They said this is the millennial generation is the first generation in human history that, well, as far back as it's been surveyed, I guess, um, that chose influence over affluence. And it, it wasn't like a small margin. It was like high 90 percent. Okay, so, my, so the, they would say no, low for that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they're they're more inf interested in influence. Absolutely. So he here's another thing. And this is entirely opinion based. This is Armin sure. throwing out an opinion no one cares about. But 
Um, it's a data set of one. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's <laughs> crucial, critical, actually. So here's the thing is uh, I, I'm always bombarded, especially if you're on something like LinkedIn, you're bombarded by this ideology of success. And this is what it looks like. And this is how you get it, right? You have the Mark Cubans of the world and you have um, whoever else these billionaires are of the world, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, right? And the the constant stream of information that you see from them is always be working. Don't if forget you, Khloe Kardashian. Yes. Critical <laughs> of who I follow, but always you're always working. And if you're not working, you're reading. If you're not reading, you're learning in some other way. If you're not learning, you're networking. If you're not networking, you're being mentored or mentoring, right? So basically what they tell you is outside of trying to attain whatever this success is, you have no life. There is no mention of faith. There is no mention of family. There's no mention of love. There's no mention of making memories. There's no mention of having experiences that make you feel human or whatever else it might be. Everything is stay in front of your laptop, stay in front of clients, stay in front of business so that you can accumulate as much crap as possible because then that might make you whatever happy. And as a person who's had a lot of money, who's had a lot of whatever, it doesn't. It, 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 yeah, it, you're it, you found that to be true personally, but you know, many people don't believe it yeah. <laughs> until they get there. But doesn't that kind of contradict what you just said, that this is a, a generation that doesn't care about inf- affluence as much as influence, and yet it sounds like they're being driven by the very same factors that yeah. I was just describing earlier, that it, it seems to me like there's this expectation that they accumulate. Maybe that isn't the case. So there's, so I think the, the issue is there's desire, like there's the individual millennial desire of what they want in their life. Mm -hmm. And then what is defined to them as success, right? If, if you don't put work first, then you're lazy, then you're this, that, and the other thing, right? If you're not working hard, then you're this thing and the other thing. If you're not getting this degree and that degree, that there's always a negative connotation if you follow something different than pursuing affluence because this our society has defined success for us as monetary status, title, power, position, right? Mm-hmm. And and so it, what do you what do you do as a millennial? Do you go after what you feel driven by or do you go after what the society tells you you're supposed to be driven by? And it's so you're constantly in this dichotomy. So there's a there's an internal conflict that most millennials are feeling is that yeah. what you're saying? And then, and, and then the, the other side of it is, is social media has done something so funny is that you got a bunch of people who are just making lots of posts on social media and getting a bunch of followers and now they're getting paid thirty, dollars $100,000 a month to do social to just, media to posting. Live their life, yeah. Yeah, you know, and yeah. it's like, so there, there's been a shift where it, I, I think it's finally become a possibility to pursue influence over affluence and still have a life. So I, I, I think it's fresh uh, that you'll see people leaning more towards influence. Rather yeah, it than seems, influence. yeah, it seems almost like there's a pursuit of in, the occupation of influence. That is, you know, they're trying to get how many social media followers they can so that they can get deals from advertisers to go do stuff that, you know, just kind of begets the whole thing and everything right. is built around how can I demonstrate I've got a following. Right. 
Yeah. No, I know that's not true for every millennial. I know, but but there does seem to be this this I um, much more willingness to live my life more visibly mm-hmm. than uh, than in the past, and that's probably just because they've grown up with the technology all along. Well, let's pivot back to what uh, Danita was talking about. I mean, because I'd like to get your perspective on the three areas that she said business leaders right now are seeing as concern when they're uh, working with the millennials in their businesses or perhaps in their churches. Um, character, their confidence, and we didn't really t- dive into it much more deeply than but collaboration. Mm. Uh, were those three what you would have expected to hear from uh, business leaders in terms of the challenges? I mean, you've been in a uh, leadership position both in businesses and churches so and, and worked with you know your peers and other millennials. What uh, what would you have said that those that's a pretty good classification? Yeah, I think there's a lot that goes into those categories, but I think those are three solid categories that are very applicable. Yeah, yeah. What do you think being a millennial? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know you're you're kind of at the cutting edge of millennials, kind of how they're defined. But yeah, what do you think are advantages that millennials have? And we talked a little bit about those. Seem to be some of the disadvantages that employers are seeing but what do you think that they're bringing to the table that employers and and uh and leaders ought to ought to fan into into flame um i think one of the aspects of the millennial generation is um they're they're they have a wider perspective and they're very open-minded they're eager to learn um and they are eager to be influenced uh, but the the way that you get to influence a millennial is different than probably in the past, and I think Danita said it right: is they are looking for authenticity. It's it's uh, it, it's the most uh, magnetic trait of a human being. So in, in that same global survey I mentioned, they said that uh, when when they were trying to figure out who, uh, who based on that influence question, mm-hmm. well, who who influences you. It was the first time it wasn't based on who is the CEO, who is the big money person, who is the got the most degrees, who's the most academic, whatever. It was just who can I relate to the most that I trust, right? And it, so it was, it was a different way of saying I'm looking for authenticity. So um, I think that that is that's a big key is how willing they are. I would say how hungry they are um, to discover what it is that they want to do and they'll make a quick decision. So they won't waste a lot of time. Um, if the, if they're in something that they don't feel like is what they want to do in life, they'll, they'll back out and it makes them look like they are, are incapable of committing, but they're, they are actually committing. They're committing not to doing something they don't want to do for the rest of their lives. Where in the past, especially from the baby boomer, gen, boomer generation, where they came out of a great depression, it's just you should just be happy you have a job, right? Like just work it. Or millennials, they have an, in, in, in a, if I were to word it differently, they have an abundance mindset. They don't feel like if they don't have this job, they're not going to get any other job. They know that there's, there's opportunities and the opportunities are endless and they're not going to settle for less. So it's okay to challenge them and they want to be challenged. They actually want to be over challenged quite often. Yeah. Now Danita shared that 70% of millennials aspire to leadership. That seems to map to what you said that they're more interested in influence than affluence and Mm -hmm. leadership being one of the ways to demonstrate that, uh, that influence. Do you also see, 
uh, as she's pointed out, I think 70% also are looking for um, a boss that is a mentor. Do you see that that is high on the search list for millennials when they go into the workforce? Do you, do you think that that's a important screener for them? Um, yeah, but I don't think they all know it. Uh-huh. They're not aware of it until they get in and yeah. discover what it might be like to work for somebody who isn't. Yeah, but it's kind of a... It, it, it's tough because I don't think we have the, uh, you know, like we were using the word grit where I, I, I think we're constantly looking for some perfect leader that doesn't exist and we don't have the ability to just do because we were tasked to do it, right? Like I, I think there there is a negative side of that where every, I, I think we're constantly feeling like we have to be inspired to do everything, right? Where it's like, no, it's, it's, it's a, if it's a job and someone tasks you to do it, you don't need to be inspired to do every task, you know, just, mm-hmm. just, it, just go do it. Mm-hmm. You right? don't need to find the, the, the deep earth meaning of every task. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to know why behind every single what you don't mm-hmm. need a motivation behind every single task. You don't need an inspirational message for every single project, you know? And it's, so I, I, I think there is a piece of it where it's like, all right, guys, Let's uh, let's just uh, get a little bit thicker skin and let, let's just do what we need to do without having to feel like we need cheerleaders on the sideline at all times. Yeah. Well, back to Danita again. This is important work that she's doing. Yeah. And writing that book, I think, is helpful to leaders to understand how they can work with millennials. What did she say that uh, that might have stood out to you, Armin, as a as a millennial leader uh, that uh, that was noteworthy for you? Okay. So one of the notes I have is she said something really simple, but it's so critical is she said, hang out with them, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're living in a society that, so it, America officially became the most uh, socially isolated society on planet earth, right? So uh, what, what millennials crave the most they get the least of even with their own friends. So there's this massive research going on right now. I wish I had the data. I have a friend of mine from uh, Oregon who has it. I got to get it from him. But we're also considered one of the most depressed generations. And almost all the research points to social media Hmm. because of the social isolation it's creating because you're not actually socializing. You don't have that human connection. You no. don't have that human touch point, but you're constantly deceiving yourself that you do. And so it's creating this weird depression that people cannot get out of because it, it is an addiction Sure, as much as it well, is. It's understandable. I mean, you can only see so many Instagram posts, so many Facebook posts of people sitting on beautiful beaches when you're, you yeah. know, when you're back, when you're back home, not on a beautiful beach. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, okay, now I'm really getting depressed. I'm tired of living vacations vicariously through other people. But. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. All right. Well, listen, uh, that's probably all the time that we have for this episode, but we sure hope you enjoyed it. I hope you had some takeaways that you can apply, whether you're a millennial um, understanding how to uh, work your way into uh, leadership or whether you're a leader in a business or church, 
wondering what is going on with these millennials and how can I work with them? Uh, we hope you found something from this show. We certainly love for you to comment on it. Go to boldideapodcast.com slash seven three. You'll also get links to Danita's uh, website and other resources that she has. And we'd love for you to leave us a comment at boldideapodcast.com slash seven three or go to our show line at six one two five six eight idea six one two five six eight four three three two. Well that's all that we have for today. And until next time, this is Larry Gates. And Armina Sadi. Saying so long and be bold with that idea God has put in your heart. You've been listening to the Bold Idea Podcast. To get our show notes sent to your inbox, visit boldideapodcast.com.